0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 108 of Storyteller Conclave, this is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How
1: about doing Rob? Um, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it was the rain today, but part of it was also being up at four o'clock in the morning. So
0: yeah, you were up at four o'clock in the morning. I've been sleeping like crap because I don't have central air, and it's been eighty degrees in my bedroom. Yes, uh, and muggy.
1: You you need to get on that. We
0: got we got some quotes coming in, good, so we're good, good. we're uh, we're working on it. But I I
1: sincerely hope you get it. I remember the day when the sin came to the house, and we had it. We had our everything replaced: the furnace, mm-hmm. the actual hot water tank, everything, and like that i think the following weekend or the weekend after that the temperature just skyrocketed and i remember standing in the house going i can make it whatever temperature i freaking want
0: oh man i i had i had central air back in my old apartment yeah yeah and then yeah we moved into the house out here and
1: you're like what what did i do
0: we're like we'll we'll, we'll get to it we'll get to it Oh, man we need just to just pour
1: get yourself it. a mint julep you'll be fine i
0: was not expecting it to go from like you know m- mid 60s to like 90 in, in the sp- middle... In the span of a week, yeah, man. Yeah, in the middle of a week. In like, the span of a week. Like, can, can, can we not? It was snowing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but such, uh, is, such is life in Michigan.
1: Yeah, so. and, and welcome to the basement where I sealed this room so it wouldn't freeze mm-hmm. in comparison to the rest of the basement. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and and yet, when you turn your, your AC on, it does. It does. It so. literally does, so. It's 90 degrees uh, out and I have to bring a sweater to the show. <laughs> there's...
1: There's always the blanket. So. That's
0: true. That's true. There always is always a blanket.
1: So this week, we decided to do some exploration. Yeah. <laughs> this this one got a little deeper than I thought it was going to. We kind of scratched at the surface and then decided to just keep going.
0: And then Ro- Rob messages me in the middle of the day, like, what, Monday or something like that? And he's <laughs> like, so I'm reading this PhD academic paper.
1: I'm on page 10, but it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, I, I read some woods, some woods uh, dissertation on role play. Is, psycho? Was it psychology of role playing? Psychology of role playing, or something? Yeah, like that. It, was, it, was it was really a, good. A I'll of, link like, it. The it's psychological
0: like impacts of of role playing. So, like specifically D and D. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know role playing in like the clinical sense of no. like you know. Okay, tell me about your childhood sort of stuff. It was like okay, so on this turn, what does grog? How does grognar react?
1: Yeah, it very much took that kind of direction, but the the initial scope of it really had amazing citation in mm -hmm. it and how it applied all of the applications of role play as it is handled through psychology, as well as just how the mind attaches to both theme and story and protagonist Mm -hmm. in movie, book, and then physical play Mm. and how that carries through life. And I was like, this is incredibly well written. I mean, it was great. It was great to read. So. Uh, no, knocks
0: in the box is actually in the live chat right now. Just, uh, that actually sounds really interesting, and I read that. we will we'll, we'll totally throw, that, we'll throw, throw the link up. up. On the yeah, Discord, it was yeah.
1: actually available, uh, and you could download the PDF. So I will totally get that uh, posted up. Yeah, I, um, I I only skimmed the first couple of pages. I, yeah, I there, but really... it was it was very nice to be able to point to things that I had recalled from. You know, educational psychology and some things that I remembered. I was like, "Oh, that's right. That's what that thing called." (laughs) You know, exactly. (laughs) It's like, like I am no MSW in any human way. I've never taken the classes of that stuff, but I have scratched surfaces of some psychology just because it's like, you know, we always have that thing where it's just like, "Am I crazy?" Let Mm -hmm. me go do some digging. Three and a half hours later of internet searching, book reading, and other things, you're like, "I have a lot of problems."
0: (laughs) I <laughs> actually actually considered getting into uh uh like therapy, counseling, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um uh, I I I could never quite get past the the uh length of time I would need to be in school and mm. the amount of student loans I would rack up in that mm. time in this so, day and age. Yeah, this day and age definitely. Uh all for the the pay and the stress of being a therapist and also having to essentially manage my own spoons from day to day, while managing then others, you and, know,
1: and, and the spoon deficits therein. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so we do I, that enough at our game table. So
0: I, I, I decided it was probably not the best idea to to put myself, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into debt to try to do that, mm-hmm. only to fail. Yeah. Um but then uh uh the mad elf this weekend uh <laughs> tried to sign me up for it anyways. Yep, yep.
1: He's we good hit, he's good like that.
0: We uh we won't, we won't really get into it but uh we we had a, a, a tense situation at the table and yeah. uh um, as as I was attempting to basically talk us all through it and kind of diffuse the situation uh Matthew was like you know you've you've really got a, a future in counseling. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Do not. Do not saddle me with tens of it's thousands. It's not quite throwing
1: someone <laughs> under a bus. That's putting them on a pedestal. <laughs> very different. Very different. But feels much the same. Put
0: them on the pedestal. Painting a target on them. You know? Yeah. Same thing. You know. So. Anyway, uh, so yeah. In case you guys haven't uh, haven't gotten it yet, uh, this this week's topic is a little bit about um, exploring um, aspects yourself and kind of exploring. Uh, I don't say psychology, but like um, uh, the, the psychological impact of role play and yeah. and how that can be used in a constructive sense, yeah, to explore aspects of yourself um that you may want to work on mm-hmm. uh you may have some questions about yourself of you know feelings or thoughts that you've had, you may want to uh put those out there and in the safety of your you know of your role playing game yeah um you know, explore those
1: things you also may have had experiences in games that were. Very joyful, or very stren you know strenuous, or very tense, or very just generally emo- emotional, where you felt connected to the moment. Um, in a lot of ways, no different than having connected moments with books and movies. Yeah. Um, except it comes differently, and it attaches to your psychology and your your psyche in a different way. And that's kind of we're gonna. Kind of uncover some of that a little bit today and talk more about that, and realistically we're taking a look at this from the player perspective we're not taking a look at it from the storyteller perspective so right, much right and and saying what you can do or what you should or shouldn't do we're we're just kind of Edging into it a little bit here. Yeah, this is, this um, is
0: definitely a, a show aimed a lot more at the players than the storytellers. Um, exactly. But, but, you know, for, for, to, to, to be informed for the storytellers in case uh, something like this is kind of going on at your table, then, you know, it, some, some ways you can, you can facilitate that sort of thing and keep everything a, a safe environment for, for all of your players involved.
1: Yeah. Rule number one: We are not therapists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we are not therapists at our tables. Even if you're a therapist at your table, you probably shouldn't be a therapist at your table. We're just going to put that out there.
0: Yep. Yep. So, uh, and uh, nothing we are going to say here should be misconstrued as uh, you know medical or psychological advice. We
1: are we are not advice givers we in are that area in the givers. least. We
0: are going to talk about our experiences with yes. role playing. Um. But you you brought up you brought up writing earlier, um, with, mm-hmm. with you know re- reading you know authored books. Um, yes, and uh, so I kind of want to start by um, talking uh, with with a quote from Lin M- Manuel Miranda, mm. uh, known for uh, the the musical Hamilton. And uh, he says, uh, "I find that for me, the work is a safe place to put all the stuff you don't want to put in your real life. I don't want to be a crazy manic a hole. I don't want to have an affair." I don't want to have an effing gunfight. But there's a part of your brain that wants to experience everything. And so work's a safe place to explore it all, both in the writing and in the performing. I get to write about having an affair. I get to have the guilt and the feeling of that without having to eff my life up. Art is the place to safely explore all those other sides of you. Because the side of you that you want to bring home is the side that wants to be a good father and a good husband
1: and be a good son. In art, we can be effing nuts. That is That is the truth. That is the truth. There's. There's a reason why we can get away with talking about being murder hobos. And not be murder hobos.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because there there is a part of us that just wants to just be unhinged, just
1: have no consequences, just have the power, just do the thing, you know? Well, when we can't—and a lot of that, I think, comes from aspects of things that we miss in our lives. Like, those are just as real things that people want as much as some people just want to have— a supportive connected group that takes care of each other. I mean, some of the earliest stories um by um and I, I was reminded of this uh with the recent video from Ari Salvatore that I put up um of um yeah, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Dritz Durden. <laughs> Driz Drizzit Drizz- 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 Durden. We're just going to leave it there. Anyways, um I thought it was a beautiful video uh-huh. or or animation story sure. and 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 telling. Um but those stories of that time, those books that came out at the time, were as much about action and adventure as they were about companionship. Mm-hmm. And people latched on to the companionship of those stories. And I think that facilitated a lot of where gaming moved to and why bonds and connections between players became so important.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and I think there's a lot of people who look for that. There's more game systems out today than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. That are about the bonds between people and working through things that are not combat or, or you know, massive. um well,
0: not not just that, but I mean, look at like Lord of the Rings. I mean, we can, mm-hmm. can we, we, you can't really talk about the the the, the impact of D anD D without talking the impact that Lord of the Rings had on D anD D to begin oh, with. And I mean, your whole your whole adventuring party is called the Fellowship of the Ring, you know. There's there's deep moving parts uh, of the stories where you've got characters just laying their hearts out to other characters. You know, oh, Mr. Frodo. You know, it was you who was carrying me the whole time, you know? Yep, exactly, Uh, exactly.
1: Or I'm not going with my people. I'm staying with you. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, oh, shit. Oh, that's that's a bond that's been created. That happened. Yeah. You know, or... Uh, I mean, and that's and, and I say that, and people are like, oh, you're you're definitely talking about, uh, you know, Eowyn. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. There was an elf and a dwarf who connected. Yeah. More than anyone else in that story. Uh-huh. And it changed both of them forever. Still only counted as one. Still only counted as one. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing, is that all those put forth... An energy and and connected and created connections in their mind, and by reading those books, people started to see themselves in those books, but detached from the characters. And that psychology is very different. Um, the in in this paper that I was reading through and 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 most psychology, and I'm going to be very very fifty thousand foot view on this, but when you are looking at a movie or you're looking you're reading through a book, Mm -hmm. you are experiencing it from a distance. You are, you are witnessing your mind is creating the images. um, Not unlike a dream state where you are envisioning the scenarios and feeling them. Then those emotions and places where they kick inside of your brain, those neurons aren't separately mapped from Mm -hmm. your own personal experiences. They are integrated with those. So when a character takes an injury, or feels disturbed or has an emotional impact you are connected with them if you're attached to that part of the story i mean you can just as easily have a you know movie running in the background you're not even thinking about it but that's very different than the engagement of staring deeply into a character and feeling a connected moment there yeah, through yeah. your own experiences
0: especially if the storyteller is effective in bringing those characters to life and exactly
1: with you and and finding personal connections that make it. There's many stories, everybody has their movie that they that they connect with the characters on and they always will watch it because they, they love the movement through mm-hmm. the movie. Um sometimes people watch movies because they really need to cry and they know this movie will help them get them through that. And that's those kind of things, and they can you know, sometimes connect those to the actual actors. But it still puts a distance between you. When you bring that into role play, when you're physically embodying And experiencing those things, although in an imaginative sense, you are still directly connected. And now that experience is happening to you directly. Mm-hmm. So those neuron connections are there. It's, again, it's not like you're separating that part of your mind and setting it off to a side. You are part and parcel to that, and it, it is tying into your experience matrix.
0: I remember um, uh, hearing conversation, I, I, and I, it's killing me that I can't remember where it was. I, it might even have been the, the cast of Critical Role who was talking about this, um, uh, about how, like you said, those those neurons are not... Like, there's no difference in our brain between happened to another character and happened to us. Correct, um, and especially with the, you know, where you're you're essentially puppeteering your own character, mm-hmm. and you use a lot of "I" and "me" statements mm-hmm. um, it, when you were putting yourself into that role.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And these people I was listening to again, I think I think it was a cast of critical role, was talking about how like there it's they never expected when they started playing D anD D that. You know, a year or two from then, they'd be sitting around a cafe talking about, hey, do you remember that time that we killed that dragon? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when we went into that dungeon and yeah. and you did that cool thing and then I did this other thing? Correct.
1: It's, you know. It's not about a character. It's not about a story that happened to someone else. Mm-hmm. You were there. Yeah. We were part of it. It happened. And yet there's a certain sense of separation. And that's one of the things we're kind of talking about this. And, and one of the things that just triggered in my head was a lot of people uh, would akin this, the the challenge of this, and we're going to get into more about um, separation of self within playing, yeah. Um, yeah. the difference between playing a first-person shooter using keyboard and mouse and playing it in VR. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could be the same exact game, the same exact levels, the same exact experience, And you're in a very different mindset. Mm -hmm. And yet, both of those are using the same neural pathways. In one case, you are distant. You are looking at a puppet that you are moving around. You have total control. Mm -hmm. You are the end-all, be-all of that control. I'm, you know, I'm moving around my tank in this f p s setting and I am doing these things. It is me making these actions, but I am still at a distance. If I am sitting inside of that tank and I'm looking out through the scope and rounds are hitting it, and I can hear them around me, I am in a very different experience. Oh yeah, and that happens with role play mm-hmm. and it is it is that connectivity that gets us a different experience, and we have to keep that in mind. As we move through it. Now, again, we're at a much higher level than, you know, obviously kids just make believe and things like that. But it is still applying Mm -hmm. and make believe we became cops and robbers or we were running a supermarket, you know, out of our our, our drawer and people were coming up and buying things out of our bedroom, you know, Mm -hmm. or we were, you know, we were flying around in space with our Lego little ships that we had and coming up with what each little part did on them. Yeah. You know, those are abilities at a minor scale of shifting yourself one step away. I am, I am taking one aspect and shifting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is the first step of imaginative uh, connection. When we get to role play, we then do another psychological step um, within the philosophy of mind is theory of mind. Mm -hmm. And that is where we adapt our own personality and make a change. We take, our mental state and our behaviors, and change them slightly, and that be, then allows us to empathize what we're observing right in right. a different methodology in, in a different way yeah the
0: theory theory of mind um I, I think on, on a broader scale, like if you're if you're just talking like raw psychology is um the ability to look at another thinking being mm-hmm. and say, you know, I bet that being also has its own thoughts and emotions and stuff Right, like
1: that we can too. We're adapting ourselves to fit into them with within our experiences, but we're seeing it from an observer's perspective, but it g- still gives us the emotional connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, um, and it, it's it's actually, it, I don't know if it's, it's not unique to humans, because um, I think there's a couple other animals, like, like I think like dolphins and elephants have been seen to exhibit um, that there's, there's a theory of mind that goes on with them as well.
1: Um, with dolphins, they've been able, most recently, some of the, 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 the things that were directly attributed to it was dolphins going and getting cell phones that get dropped in the water and bringing them back because they see the terror in the person when it happens. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they're trying to figure out what the connection is point is and then they bring back the thing and they see joy and they feel joy
0: exactly that and that's theory of mind yes is looking at someone different and going and having an emotional connection with them and 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 that affecting your own emotional state
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna blow this whole thing right up right now okay TikTok. TikTok is theory of mind in motion okay you watch someone else's experience and and you experience it with them. I mean,
0: I would say all performative media is true,
1: but it's the most closest connection we have today. That is, yeah, that I is, mean- that is easily accessible. That any age gravitates to. Yeah, in in Vine before it, and yeah, and, yeah and YouTube I mean, before that. And yeah, stuff just that, but but it's it, yeah. you know it, it it's that application of I'm going to show you sixty seconds of existence. And you're going to connect with it, correct? Yes, yep. And you're going to feel of it. An
0: emotional emotional connection with it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that that happens all the time, though in in, in role play, though, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many how many of us have had a moment at the table where, you know, an NPC that first off, you how many of us have had an NPC that we've just fallen in love with, platonically or romantically, you know? That it's like, oh, hey, it's that NPC. All right, I'm so glad this NPC is here. Yeah. You know, first off, right there, that's theory of mind in play. Because mm-hmm. this NPC is literally nothing more than your storyteller doing a funny voice while describing a character in their story, and yet you have formed a bond with them. You have pack bonded with a funny accent and a description,
1: Padre and Guise exactly. Every time you guys see that character come back out, you are like, "It's Padre." See, no, I was, <laughs>
0: I was never, I was never, I was never hot to trot for Padre, but like, and not, and not like in a romantic sense, but uh, it, it was always Louis. Okay. It was it was always Captain Vampa. Captain uh, Vampa showing up. That, regardless of what game hey! system I'm running it in. <laughs> yeah. Captain Vampa, all right. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: um, that was always my favorite NPC of yours. But yeah. uh, neither here nor there. Yes, um, but again, that still fits into it.
0: Yeah, but but that's but that's theory of mind in, in in play. And mm-hmm. then you know when something bad happens to that NPC, when the, when the villain reveals, "I kidnapped him and I will kill him if you do not give me the MacGuffin," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh no." You don't want that funny accent and description of that person to die. Yeah. You've
1: pack-bonded with them. That's right.
0: That person <laughs> yeah. has to live. Exactly. I will
1: go save them and find said MacGuffin that right. you whisk
0: Right. So, you know, that's that's theory of mind at play right there. That's the wonder of the human brain to anthropomorphize and pack-bond with yeah. ama- completely imaginary characters. Mm-hmm.
1: So moving along that same same frame, we talk about how we become characters. Right. And now this is where things get a little more challenging. Yeah. So we kind of
0: put what we just talked about, how the, the psychological impacts, the, the, the theory of mind, all that to the side.
1: Set that circle to this side of the Venn we'll, diagram. We'll be
0: back. <laughs> yes. But we're going to be, we're not we'll going to talk right about. We'll be right back after this. We're not going to talk <laughs> about the psychological, psychological impact of being on the other side of that, being the player. Correct. Okay. So um, we propose mm-hmm. uh, that there are essentially three different types of players broad categories um, broad broad categories of players now not levels,
1: to, nothing else like that.
0: I I, I want to uh, also clarify that there is no judgment calls. no every single one of these char- you know player types is perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. Um, there are great times and places where these particular uh, types of character or types of players
1: excel yep. And there are places where
0: they're, they're maybe not that great. And there but, are times
1: when you may shift between these. And
0: you may shift between them, exactly. These, yep. these are not um, uh, set states of being. Correct. It may depend on the type of game you're playing. It may depend on the group you're with, of which type of archetype you fall into. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. okay, disclaimer done.
0: So, disclaimer done. The first type... Um, is and since we are coining these terms ourselves, Ha-ha. we got this one from Knox in the box because he refers to himself as such All the time. As an Avatar player.
1: Not not like Avatar form nor blue. So
0: uh, Right, right. Uh now at one point I did see him wielding earth, air, uh wind and fire uh all at the table at the same time. Hmm. Uh, I can never confirm or deny, but anyways. That's
1: possible. It's possible. Did the Fire Nation show up and mess everything up?
0: Everything was great.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, then it was until... the Avatar. <laughs> then it clearly was the Avatar. So everything um, comes back to Avatar. Why is that? Uh,
0: um. So anyways, the Avatar player is um basically the person who uh, plays themselves. Yeah. They don't make a lot of effort to separate the character from themselves. Mm-hmm. Um their character may have a different name than them, but essentially they're not going out of their way to come up with any personality quirks, any different motivations. Mm-hmm. They just essentially let their own motivations and their own thoughts and their own reactions drive how that character interacts in the in the fantasy
1: world. They are throwing on a costume. They <clears throat> they may even to a degree um be feeling themselves within the setting and, and be as confused as they would be in the setting, you know, so that it just is literally themselves walking through it. But again, we're not, we're not exploring the character beyond themselves.
0: Right. Um, now a lot of times the, the avatar player, um, uh, is, is, is an avatar simply because they, um, being the avatar, just simply putting yourself into the, uh, the, the game Takes uh, little to no imagination, and that's not a slight. That's just an observation. Um, the re- The reason this is a good thing is because it frees up all of your imagination to focus on the story. And, especially if it's a setting that's unfamiliar to you, if you've never played Forgotten Realms before, for instance, if you've never played The Elder Scrolls before, playing an Avatar character allows you and your character to share the exact same reactions to learning all this new information
1: all at the same time. Correct. And the other thing that um, I was just thinking about this is how many times, for some of the other gamers, how many times has has a DM looked at you and said, you're playing yourself and then we're going to mm-hmm. go through this experience. That is literally everyone starting out as Avatar and continuing. Yep, that you you may have been instructed to play an Avatar. And and I've done it. I've, I've definitely done it, especially in contemporary games. Mm-hmm. I, I played a contemporary vampire game where we started out, and, and my favorite thing to ask was, we're playing vampire, and you want me to play myself? Okay, how much of the world is actually the book? The truth of the book? Like, what I know of the truth of the book? And they were silly enough to say, it's all accurate. I'm like, so I know everything I know? About vampire? Yes. Oh boy.
0: Okay. Well, here's how I exploit that system. Yeah. I've...
1: <laughs> so, uh, where's your Ravenos? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're uh, gonna have a conversation. Now,
0: do you want do you want to talk about the the psychological impacts while we're going through these, or do you want to talk about them afterwards after
1: we let's them? let's frame up and then we'll come back? Okay, okay. I think that'll work out best.
0: So, the next type of of uh, character or next type of player is mm-hmm. the silent protagonist.
1: So, this is going to be. Your typical first-person shooter or gameplay type of thing. Uh, you gave a good example with Half-Life. Gordon Freeman mm-hmm. is is a silent protagonist. There's there is there's no dialogue. There's no exploration by their character or very, very limited exploration. Your typical MMO character. There's no difference between mm-hmm. you going through a quest and another person going through the same quest other than maybe your path and a few choices, but it doesn't change the psychology necessarily of them. They have a history. You mentioned Link earlier. Link is a great Leg- example from Legend of Zelda. I mean, yep. he's a very
0: beloved character, very with with a rich history. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, and a very uh, a emotional solid, story. Um, emotional story. That's it's, it's a solid place in there. But what are Link's thoughts? What are Link's fears? What are his desires other than to save Princess Zelda and defeat Ganon? Correct. You know, what have we heard Link say other than "huh, yeah, huh"? exactly <laughs> yeah and smashing every pot looking for rupees that's
1: right that's right that he hates pottery completely hates, hates pottery um
0: so th- those are what we call silent protagonist okay yeah. so uh when it pertains to tabletop role-playing games though um a silent protagonist is basically a character who you you have a name you may have a different race and class for them that is um you
1: know different from how you in real life might be yeah um you will you have may, quirks and, yeah. and little, you know, oddities about them. You may have been from a, a a bad family or grew up in a hard part of town or maybe even, you know, um, have had, uh, uh, you know, you, you've got scars, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever.
0: Uh, my character collects knives. Yes. Okay, cool. Excellent. It's so you're, it's it's not that you, you don't have quirks or, or anything like that. It's but it's it's kind of one step away from the avatar character um where you've got just enough of a framework to say that it's a character and not actually you but it's empty enough that you can essentially step into that character and it's still kind of you it's the rubber mask it's the rubber mask yeah basically yeah. um or or like a suit of armor you know, That's it's another... still it's still you on the inside, even though what we're seeing is all the plates on the yes. outside.
1: For all you uh, riffs people out there, a glitter boy is a great example. <laughs> it's a glitter boy. It's yes. a, you're a glitter boy. So um, um.
0: so uh, characters like this um, can uh, can be very good because, again, very much the avatar character, mm-hmm. they allow you to um, uh, allow you to focus a lot more on the story. Than, on having to play the character themselves and really focus on their thoughts and their motivations um, it characters like this are are great to have at least some of them in your party uh, in uh, in any tabletop role playing game simply because they 're the easiest characters to hook, yes, because as essentially empty shells of characters without a lot of motivations and such like that. You can basically drop any quest in front of them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's where the story is. Cool, let's go."
1: Yeah, exactly. You they're know? they're not going to be questioning, "What would I do? What should I do?" Because that really brings you beyond right. yourself. The so. character
0: is there to have or the player is there to have an adventure. Correct. Therefore, the character is there to have an adventure. Right now, he may get angry at different things than you would, or love different things than you would. But at the end of the day, you're there to fight. He's there to fight. Exactly. You know. Um, and then your last type of character is, or, or player, is the character player or the right. character actor. Um, and these are the people who go through the, the rigmarole of creating a fully fleshed out character with their own, their hopes, their fears, their dreams, you know, what you yeah. would see as a fully fleshed out character. Now,
1: this isn't to say that we're, we're framing this for the people who write the 14 page backstories and have deep voices and talk about the costume that they wear and why they have the scar from this specific thing. And when they get into any scene that involves mirrors, they shun them because they don't want to see the their face, and they keep it covered. You know, we're not saying that they have to go to that extreme. We're talking about people who have built character. Mm-hmm. They've actually designed something that they speak through a, a, uh, a token, if you will, that they work through. Um, and that makes it different because they literally do have that thought of what is my character going to do here. But it also detaches them from that aspect as well to say. Well, I wouldn't do that, but technically they would, so yeah, I guess we're going to go that way with this thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times this is where um, having defined um, uh, – my brain is losing where it's at on this topic because I'm slowly shifting – Whether your character is lawful neutral or scrupulous or what have you, Mm -hmm. it helps you define their motivations per scene. And at that point, you are defining that character. So even at that light level where you're literally looking at your character sheet to help you figure out what you would do, you have reached a full character. Sure, You're stepped away from yourself. Right, right.
0: Because the thought process is not what would I do, Mm -hmm. it's what would they do. And, exactly, and that's when you've got that level of separation. All right, so where are we going with all of this? Um, so basically, each of these three types um, represent a layer of abstraction from the psychological impact of the story.
1: Correct. So we're we're talking about who, it, it, who... does the emotion who who gets the emotional impact? Correct. Where does the baggage sit? Yes. <laughs>
0: Who gets to carry the baggage?
1: (laughs) And and this is where we kind of come. We're circling back to that psychology that we talked about. Where if you're playing Overwatch, your investment is as far as watching that character have an issue. Now you may get frustrated because your functions don't work or somebody else is cheating, but it's still a stage away from you. If I'm if I'm playing Half Life Alex in VR. And things are flying at my face. They're flying at my face. Now, Mm -hmm. granted it's all digital and I feel a little bit safe. I have a safety edge, but it's still happening to me. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're coming at here. When you're, when you're looking at this as an avatar player, where I'm embodied, I'm in VR. Yeah. I am right there on the field, doing the things I'm talking through myself. I may have a different name. I may have pointy ears, that's still me, right? It's so if something raw.
0: if something bad happens, it happens to you. If someone hates your character,
1: they hate you because you've never. Your brain does not see a difference in that. There's no extra neurons that are now separated over for Granthiar because you're not. You're not grand doesn't exist,
0: right? Grand theor doesn't exist. Grand theor the is a name you're calling yourself when Correct. you're playing the game.
1: It's no different than like the people who have you know who 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 are a second. You know, like mm-hmm. you're Bobby the second, so we call you Todd on occasion. Yep. Okay, there you have a different moniker, or or you're an author with a moniker. No yep. difference. Your brain sees that all as the same. So then you've
0: got your silent protagonist where, yeah, you've got that sort of layer of armor around you, but essentially Mm -hmm. it's still you inside of the inside of the armor. Now you have a bit of separation. Yes. Um... But ultimately, if and this really depends on how deep into, you know, how how thick your armor is, I suppose, Mm -hmm. Um, how many layers of abstraction, how much character you've put into your silent protagonist will kind of kind of uh, determine how your emotional impacts land. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a transitional state, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But the other the other polar opposite then is going to your character player. Right. When you have created a fully fleshed out character, that character kind of becomes a person in and of themselves. Okay. They become someone different than you. Right. And therefore, they become the target of the pathos that is going on in the game. And so, for instance, you know, I, I play Madeline in your uh, uh, in your 7th C game. If something bad or tragic happens to Madeline, I look at that as like, oh, wow. Yeah, Madeline Madeline really had some unfortunate stuff happen to her today. And this is fun for me because I want to experience the drama of Madeline. There's never a moment where I look at that and go, something bad happened to me. You know? Um we've uh our our mutual friend Erica. Yes. Uh uh who plays uh one of the clerics in your game Yes. Um, uh Absolutely eats that stuff up, mm-hmm. like the consummate character player. Yes, very and, much so. Very, uh, very much so. Like the, the delight on their
1: face when something bad happens to Crowley. Oh yeah, so much so, so and, much so. Because um, Crow, Crowley just... has dark skin in a world where, um, not that not unlike the Drow have have a, a bit of a negative edge to them, but now have a severe negative impact. Everyone kind of looks at uh, Crowley with this look of concern because mm-hmm. they're not a dark elf, but they're darker skinned and that's something they're not comfortable with.
0: Exactly. And so there's there's a lot of that sort of prejudice going on. There's mm-hmm. also some religious implications Very to, much the, so. to, to, to the god that that character worships and, yes. and, and portrays and, and sometimes mantles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, watching watching that player sit there and just eat up all the negative attention and mm-hmm. the drama mm-hmm. and the intrigue yep. and stuff like Utterly delighted any time something crappy, abjectly I, happens to Crowley. <laughs> I, I
1: miss seeing it in person because it's something that they enjoy. Yeah, and I, I, I'm hoping to get back to that soon. But that that kind of character separation allows for that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it's a beautiful thing. It mm-hmm. really is.
0: So, all right. Why did we tell you all of that? <laughs> <laughs> where,
1: where, are where are we going with this? Where are
0: we going with this? All right. So.
1: I think to, to, to kind of bring it back, because what you had asked me earlier was, do we want to jump into to, to where does this go? And really what it comes down to for me is bringing the beginning to the end. And that is is bringing the Venn diagram together and saying, okay, this is how psychology works and these are the experiences that we deal with. This is how, these are the types or classes, uh, classifications of players in a broad sense that we have. The question then becomes, when does that become beneficial or detrimental during... A, a situation mm-hmm. um one
0: second. uh knocks in the box i see your question we'll get to it
1: okay okay yeah. good thank you for reminding me to, to tag that too yes um so when we're talking about um a little bit of these pros and cons we're we're not so much saying them in a positive or negative sense but we're saying that these are things to be aware of during these dates yes um so that stepping if you're a and you're you're just getting into it or or I'll be totally honest I've known people who've got who stepped into role playing and I've asked them the question like did you play with my little ponies when you were a kid and they're like no did you did you play with legos not really like I, I really wasn't a creative kid I, I painted okay did you tell stories no no I really wasn't supported for doing that and so they're concerned getting into role playing yeah like they they yeah. don't know where to start and so they tend to start with themselves and that can be a very dangerous start point mm-hmm. um I, I kind of go back to TMNT's character building or even travelers' character building as a way to help you separate yourself and take you from avatar to silent protagonist to a fully fleshed out character right
0: it walks you through the process of getting to fully
1: fleshed out characters so that you can have some distance yeah. Yeah. because the last thing that you want and it it's it's terrible to say it but the last thing you want is a horrific experience because of a good story. Yeah, yeah. To be exactly. attached and be mortified when the storyteller says, and that's it. And you're like, I want to keep playing my character. And they're like, mm, the story's over. Mm-hmm. I'll be moving on. We'll be doing Shadowrun. And then you pick up your character and change them into a new story. And now everyone that goes, oh God, you're bringing Loxley into this story too? <laughs> Shadowrun, Are you no! always playing Loxley? Yeah. you know. And the yeah. answer is some people do that because some they can. can't let go of that character. They love them too much. Mm-hmm. Because... They've embodied that character. They've adopted that personality trait. Yeah. yeah. Now, going back to psychology a little bit, that is a thing. That that is a concept of doing a fixed role therapy. Mm-hmm. That's where you take an aspect of yourself and you shift a degree. So, for instance, maybe you don't like the uh, the way certain people are talking. You constantly have an aggressive state while you're at work. And your therapist says, why don't you see their – try and see for the next two weeks them as supporting and giving you constructive criticism Mm -hmm. because nobody seems to be saying anything negative in a detrimental way. Mm -hmm. So when they do this for you, put on a smile and say thank you for your constructive criticism and try that for two weeks. Yeah and see what you can do with that. That right there is role-playing. You're physically playing a role and shifting yourself to see if that's an attribute you want to pick back up. Yep. When you go into a game session in an avatar state, <laughs> I'm going to say that, <laughs> um, pro- it it sounds, it instantaneously so cool. demonetized, um, but uh, it, when you step into that, you are effectively doing the same thing, just without that step away. Mm-hmm. When you do a silent protagonist, you might even be doing a step away. Maybe, maybe you have a southern draw. Maybe you've done one one step away from yourself. You're not as shy as you would be. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're. You know, you decide to play the bard, so you're going to be the face, but it's still you being the face. You are changing an aspect of yourself and experience those things as yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to have all the consequences.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the. The thing is, though, is that when you when you take the concept of, uh, of of you know experiential role playing and stuff like that, you can you can kind of lean into this mechanic at the table, yeah. And that was kind of where this whole discussion was leading. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, un- understanding that um, stories will have psychological impact on us. Oh yeah. Um, it, they will cause an emotional response. Without and a doubt. That characters can have varying degrees of impact on our on on ourselves. Um, in a safe enough environment, mm-hmm. you can kind of exploit this the way that this all works, yes, to then work on things for yourself, yeah now i enjoy things differently now, I'm not saying. That you should, by all means, like you know, uh, use your table like a therapy session and do not lay lay all of your baggage out on the table and be like, my do character not. has the same childhood. No, 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 no. Do, no, not, no, do, do not, not, do
1: not do that. Do not do that.
0: No, but what I'm talking about is things like, um, if you're an introverted person, okay, and you want to be more extroverted, like you 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 always look at the extroverted people and you're like, I wish I weren't so shy. I wish I weren't so socially awkward. Mm-hmm. Okay there is uh an opportunity there for you in your tabletop role playing game to maybe next character make a bard mm-hmm. make them a charisma based persuasion maybe even intimidation based character yeah um play that's, a barbarian that's maybe the face of the group yeah that um is is it, maybe maybe boisterous and outgoing
1: mm-hmm. uh, or
0: like you said play the barbarian maybe maybe they're they 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 issue challenges in a bellowing voice. Mm-hmm. Maybe they shout to make sure that everyone knows they're the biggest thing on the battlefield. That's you know? right. Um All of these things are are very extroverted actions. Mm-hmm. And what 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 this allows you to do essentially is get the experience of being extroverted, mm-hmm. and have and and have the emotional impact of that, have the consequences, so to speak, of the of, of the extroversion. Um, be something that you can you can experience yourself and nothing is risked really i mean at the end of the day you're just playing barbarian exactly you know and if it's if it's too scary for you all you have to do is either a at, you know at at best just change how you play the character maybe if, if it was a bridge too far maybe just don't shout so loud next time maybe you know or at worst, you know, maybe talk to your storyteller and be like, hey, this character isn't working out for him. I'm not having fun. Can I switch characters?
1: And that that most times will be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to see that you're not enjoying it. And by not enjoying it, everyone else is not going to enjoy it either. Exactly. And that's that's the big part about that is that you can take those steps. You can play those roles or aspects or, or just even minor quirks that you've never done before and try and... Uh, experience that edge of it, even if it's just a degree or two away or something something minor that you can shift to. And I fully recommend it. I've mm-hmm. done it multiple times. There are times when you know I've, there's been ideas that I've had that are a little far off the wall from myself, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times I'm just a few degrees off from myself. There's very few characters that I have that are characters, but I also have the joy of playing as a storyteller and I get to play those other roles. Yeah, I can explore things as a storyteller... Uh, every time I sit down at the table I can just say, this is an aspect of myself, I'm going to try differently. Dozens of NPCs. It's can, a fantastic thing yeah. to do. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, it, like Nox is
0: saying, so I'm sure the person who in real life always has to take the lead might appreciate someone who, uh, uh, else who wants to take that lead role. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody else at the table wants to be the extroverted person, there is just as many, probably just as many people who are, who are in leadership roles in real life who are like, oh, thank God, I just want to play a healer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when when it comes time for planning is like look i'll just pick up the pieces afterwards you guys kick down the door like i i don't care
1: you know yeah i mean there there are words to be said here in other tones that that fit i mean and 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 i and i'll say it is if as much as you you might be a direct person for leading you might find that role playing as a submissive person who just follows the group around and does whatever's necessary and fills in the gaps may be genuinely rewarding at times. It
0: might be genuinely rewarding you never know it might
1: also be absolute agony for you. Correct and it's sometimes better to find it out for four hours on a Saturday afternoon Exactly but the point is you have the safety
0: to explore that in Mm -hmm. a D&D game of like I want to be completely subordinate here like I don't want to take charge and then you find yourself at the table going oh if they only let me take charge and make the plan and it hurts. You know, it just hurts oh it hurts ah um and then you end up doing it anyways uh
1: yep. yep you just have an alpha type personality you just you have to so um there have been experiences that i've definitely had mm-hmm. uh, where i've i've jumped over um i i actually the one experience that jumps out for me personally uh where i i went right overboard for myself was um i have uh a character type that I play that's a fop. Mm-hmm. And basically, he is not Rob. He is Rob cranked at 15. Mm-hmm. You know, I am outgoing, I am playful. I am on the edge of everything. I have a always have some kind of a silly accent added to it. I know everyone and everything that's going on mm-hmm. you know, so I'm a likable character at an extreme rate
0: flagrantly bisexual <laughs>
1: um, it, actually to at yes, without mm. question, I leaned into that uh in a seven c uh game uh that we were that I played with a second edition game, and everybody loved it. I literally yep. layered into that character yep. so hard that they were like can you just keep coming? This is fantastic (laughs) play this character always. And I'm like, I'll, I enjoyed it. It was acting at its finest. It was, uh, what, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda said, it is amazing to go crazy and then be able to step away from it and say, that was a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and and enjoy it in that safe environment. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Uh, so for me though, um, my my big my big experience with, uh, uh, with with exploring things through role play was actually uh, as, as I've mentioned before on the show, and uh, from those of you who haven't clocked me from my voice, I am transgender, um, and I started figuring that out around I around twenty six or so, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later. <laughs> I'm not. It, it's it's hard to identify the exact moment where I looked at myself and went, "Oh, there's something going on here," you know. <laughs> True. Um, but uh. You know, once I did start figuring that out about myself, um, I mean, it was very frightening uh, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, there's a large portion of the world that really doesn't care for me and really doesn't really want me around. Um, and there's a lot of social stigma to go with it. Uh, there's a, And there's a lot of life changes that that sort of thing brings. I mean – yeah. Uh,
1: it's not just your clothes.
0: Yeah, it's it's I mean, I literally had to like get a whole new birth certificate and everything. And that's not including, you know, changes in, in my wardrobe, but changes in in my body mm-hmm. and things like that. And I mean, not every, I, I wish to clarify, not every trans person goes through this, but this is my own personal journey I'm speaking of here, you know. Um, and when I was kind of still in that questioning phase uh, and especially figuring out if I even wanted to go through all of that. Um there was a there was a there a, a a period where I wanted to explore these things in a safe manner. Um and so uh actually Ravana, the ice princess wizard character that yep. I'm playing in your uh, uh in, has, in your game, lane, yeah. originated in someone else's campaign mm-hmm. though, but was the character I first wrote as my first female role-playing character. Mostly just to try on how it felt to be called she or her mm-hmm. or ma'am, mm-hmm. you know. Um and as expected, it felt great. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt very natural to, mm-hmm. to 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 fit into into Ravana's shoes for a little bit, for a couple yeah. hours. And you know, I and and that's not to say I I did get a couple of I don't say bad reactions, but like there were a couple of people who were a little, thought thought it was a little silly. Mm-hmm. You know, thought I was I was having a fun at it. You know, didn't mm-hmm. understand the motivations behind it. I didn't share those motivations with them. Mm-mm. They didn't need to know that. Mm-mm. And when they did have that kind of laughing reaction um i was able to just be like it's just D&D character and that was as far as the conversation ever went you know because to them yeah it was just a D&D character ha, ha 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 this person's playing a female character and i perceive them as male like all right great but for me it was a it was a much it was a much more important experience and i got to write this character up put them out there and then feel the emotional impact of what happened to them right and that's kind of where that theory of mind comes in you know it's things happened to this character and through experiencing them in the character they happened to me and i got at a safe distance to filter that emotional input and evaluate it in a safe environment
1: exactly and that's it was the same feeling that i had um this most recent time when i when i pushed over the envelope Um, and just went kind of crazy with it, and I did really enjoy that character, but I enjoyed the experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed connecting with the other players and and seeing the the joy and enjoyment of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I definitely will play that character type again at some point, Mm -hmm. pull it out for another game, because it was a whole lot of fun, just as much as there's other other aspects of myself that I would shift and try differently. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt.
0: Absolutely. Uh, All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about the. Oh, geez, we we are getting late yeah. on time here, aren't we? We um, actually
1: might be able to get right into questions.
0: We we've actually answered one or two of the questions already. That's what I thought. That's uh, what I thought because I, I, I read the questions beforehand and I I know that the flow of our, our conversation here had them. So okay, uh, I think the uh, I think the Mad Elf's question has already more or less been answered. Sure, sure. Um. Uh, but anyway, so it just, just a couple concerns, issues, pitfalls with this whole thing. Um, first off, as we said before, your d d group is not your therapist. If you truly have some stuff to work out, see a professional. Always, Always see a professional. Um, is Commun- this more... And
1: communicate with them, for God's sakes. Don't yeah. keep it all in.
0: Uh, this is more of a self-exploratory self-expl- uh, uh, practice than, a, than like a deep, I have baggage to work through thing. Um, second off, this can be scary. Yes. Uh, It was scary for me when I did it. Um, You might find things out about yourself, and you have to be prepared for that if you do this deliberately. If you ask a question, you're going to get an answer, whether you like that answer or not. So just understand that. Um, Then again, you might find stuff out about yourself, just RPing in general. Yes. And worse yet, you may find out
1: things about your friends. That you didn't want to I know. think that is one of the largest aspects that mm-hmm. you usually find out is that depending on where they fit in, in those classes or classifications that we're talking about, um, you will find out a lot about them. You yeah. will find out their motivations and feelings. And when your characters go to loggerheads about something, when mm-hmm. the characters do... Sometimes you will see the truth of how much their character is really being expressed versus themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, and or some... or even like I said, just that, just that side comment from that other person at the table of "Huh, oh, you're playing a female character. That's weird." Yeah, is it? Is it that, really weird?
1: That that got you going in that direction?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I mean, like I said, it wasn't wasn't necessarily a transphobic comment because there wasn't an explicit statement that this is you know uh, uh, an exploration of that or anything like that. Right. But but it, but it did make me think like okay, yeah, you're you you had a you had a reaction to that that wasn't yeah. welcoming you know right. so all right um and uh just if uh, if you are going to do something like this especially if it's if it's a sensitive topic for you it may be worthwhile just making sure that your table has an x card yes. um in play that if something does get a little too touchy that you can like veto
1: a scene and step away yes um so on the other hand and I will flat out say this you might find the opposite. You may have an experience that liberates you from something uh, or, or connects you with something from your past in a totally different way mm-hmm. um, that, you know, rebirths wonderful feelings and gets you back to a moment that you enjoyed. You may find people at the table who are exceptionally accepting and are enjoying it and you're like. I would go out for drinks with this person now. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot more to discuss than I thought. There's a lot more connectivity than I expected. Absolutely. You know? And sometimes it opens side questions that come off from the game where discussions go on for hours. Yeah. And that's wonderful. That's connectivity and it's beautiful. All right, so... Let's
0: lean into questions here. Now, I know no- Knox in the box answered one or asked one earlier that I said we would get back with here. Was Let's that the
1: one at seven thirty-five?
0: Uh, I am scrolling and I am not seeing.
1: Are you experiencing? There it is. That yes. one? Okay. Are
0: you ex- uh, so? So Knox in the box during during the in the live chat here asked, um, "Are you experiencing the feelings of that event?" Or are you experiencing the effects of what you perceive that experience should have, in your opinion?
1: I think it's both, depending on your position.
0: Yes, it's it's definitely both. Um, but I don't think, I don't think like emotions don't really go through an analytical phase. Mm-mm. Um, they they might in the post game. You mm-hmm. you might kind of have like twenty twenty hindsight where you look back and you go like, ah, uh, yeah, I think maybe this is probably how they should have reacted. But that usually—that's usually well after the after the fact. Right. Um, the, the emotions first, you're feeling during during the gameplay are genuine. They're yours. They're yours. They're—they're going to be your knee-jerk reaction because emotions just basically—they they bypass thought.
1: Correct. Yeah. M- one of my favorite things that I, I read about, and this isn't an exact quoting or anything like that. Um, but your first reaction is your carnal reaction. It's mm-hmm. what's programmed into your mind. Oftentimes, it in a defensive mode. It is what you learned at your childhood base. So it, you may be repeating a parent's words. You may be repeating someone who you saw as a strong peer. You may, whatever that defensive moment may come out as that, and you will not be fully aware of it until it finishes. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're able to pause those emotions for a second and rationalize it, that is when you get the ability to change it, and that's when you ask the question of what would my character do, and sometimes you can edit that, but you still feel that initial emotion regardless, Mm -hmm. and the more connected to the moment you are, for instance, through PTSD or personal experience or what have you, the more natural and raw you will be involved and emotionally connected to that scene in that moment agreed so uh
0: all right so So yes and yes Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, actually, I think it's Overwatch's question we kind of, we kind of uh, uh, answered. Yeah, we did um, kind of. As a as a player, what was the most profound, powerful moment of self-exploration that really stuck with us? So yeah. I shared mine, you kind of shared Yeah,
1: yours. Manchester, my character Manchester that I played. Um,
0: this is Elf asks, uh, this kind of exploration can be powerful and challenging. What are things you can do to help your players feel comfortable enough to step outside themselves as a storyteller?
1: Support them. Absolutely. Be supportive of what what they're doing and their ideas, where they're coming from. Give them a comfortable way out as well. The moment that it becomes an uncomfortable situation or you witness it as it being an uncomfortable situation, feel free to throw the card for them. There's no reason that a person who is shutting down should be the one who has to throw the card throw the x card
0: yeah absolutely. anyone
1: can drop an x card absolutely that is 100% available to all players mm-hmm. and even the storyteller to say mm-hmm, we're ending this right here we're just yep. gonna we're just gonna stop this we're not gonna talk about this we're just gonna stop this we're gonna change scenes yep. and you move on from that point absolutely i um,
0: i don't know that it even has to come down to an x card a lot of times but i think just just showing that you are supportive of we we, we often say be a fan of your of your of your players oh yeah um and i think this is a really powerful place where that comes into being um Without simply doubt. because if you do have characters who are trying this sort of self explanatory stuff or self-exploration stuff um they may not be letting you in on that. They may not have told you that they wrote this character specifically to you know try to be more outgoing or to examine, you know, what it's, you know, if if they really like people of the same gender or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're a fan of your if you're truly a fan of your players at all times, it should never be an uncomfortable situation. You know, if you, if, if, if your presumptively straight friend comes to your table and says, this character's gay, you don't know if they think maybe they're gay and they're exploring it through a character. Doesn't matter. Or if they just decided that this character is just going to be gay. Okay. Yep. Whatever. You know, it's just a, it's just a choice it has nothing to do with them whatsoever. But as long as you're supportive of them yes, and they feel welcome at your table playing that character and making, you know, making decisions as that character and such like that, they'll never feel awkward as that character.
1: Correct. And I'm going to add one more question here. Cause uh, when we were asking, answering the question for Knox, uh, a, a point came back and I'm going to kind of turn this into a question um, a little bit. And that was that Knox is saying um, that the idea of not reacting to the reality of the specific event, but rather having reaction birth from the misconception about the event that you have probably never experienced, and here's the key: you have experienced it. You just experienced it. Yeah. There is no misconception. Just because you're visualizing it and creating an imaginative situation that wraps around it, yeah, there, your brain doesn't separate those things.
0: This is kind of where that theory of mind comes yeah. in. Like you don't have to wonder what it's like to get attacked by a necromancer. You just, it just happened. It just happened. It just happened. There are skeletons <laughs> in the room. Roll initiative.
1: Yeah. So, so, and this is this is the one part that nobody gets. Your eyes, ears, and fingertips are senses. Your imagine, and then your brain puts all those things together to create the imagery that creates the reality that is the reality around you. It is a construct as much as your imagination is. I assure you, your dreams can feel just as real. If not worse, your brain is a dangerous place to live. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next week's
0: topic, we are going to talk about uh, recovering from uh, unfortunate events. Now, this was
1: planned months in advance, but
0: uh, but we may have some real life experience to bring to the table for you. So when, when something happens, it kind of derails your game, derails your plot or causes a rift amongst your players. What do you do? What do you do? So you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and join us up on our discord. Join the discussion there. You can find the link in our Twitter as well as up on our website, storytellerconclave.com.
1: We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Vedran and Hulavu. We really appreciate all the support you give us every single month our pre-show music is by arcane anthems you can find his work up on patreon.com slash arcane anthems our uh, intro music is beyond the warriors by gee Frog. you can find that at gee and our outro music which you're hearing right now is only our footprints in the sand by midair machine you can find that at freemusicarchive.org
0: and i want to give a big shout out as always to our families vicky and sean thank you so much for loving us and supporting us all of our friends who sat with us at our tables thank over the you. years to give these great experiences to share with you And every single one of you, our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Stay safe. Good night. Good night.